One thing leading to another, but I should be able to make pretty short work of this ramified old son of a gun. Scraggs! Scraggs! I'm calling you out! Well, just hang on there, partner. I had to strap on my tool belt. Are you ready? Ready! Are you set? Set! Do you need a count? Yes, sir! Yeah! Hard to trigger with them other fingers, but... You can't be too careful. Whoa! Looks like when they made this fella, they forgot to put in the quit. And this is the Walking Dead cast episode 337, even though it says 336. That was to Jesus episode. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're going to be bi-weekly during this break covering whatever we feel like talking about. I think next time Lucy mentioned her and Derek coming on and doing like an LGBTQ episode. Great. You know, about the characters in, in the show. Oh, that's awesome. That'd be cool. Yeah, it really would be. Hopefully they'll do that. Um, but another really cool way to pass the time during the break is to get going on your Game of Thrones rewatch. Yes. Getting back into that, it's you forget how great and absorbing the show is until you go back and start watching it again. So Kristen's doing this rewatch. She's got you know guest hosts on House Podcastica, our Game of Thrones podcast. Mister Blog was on one recently. In fact, uh-huh. he did the episode uh, fi- uh, season five, episode one, which was what we first started when we started Game of Microphones. So it was like a full oh, circle kind of thing. That's nice. Yeah, and Lucy was on there, and I'll be on later this week. And just uh, I know there's some confusion, but just want to make it clear. So we're no longer Game of Microphones. We're House Podcastica now. We're available everywhere you can find podcasts, and it's super easy to find us if you just go to housepodcastica.com. It has links to all the different places, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, all that stuff. And uh, get that get that lazy husband of mine to guest host. Yeah, that'd be cool. Or maybe his lazy <laughs> wife would be good. <laughs> oh, no, she's way too she's lazy. She's too lazy for that. <laughs> The thing is, I'm really lazy. He's uh, he's actually not that yeah. lazy uh, and also super knowledgeable about Game of Thrones. I'm just glad you pulled yourself out of bed to do this today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, and then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna crawl right back in. Yeah. I didn't even bother standing up. I, You're I actually in bed. Sli- <laughs> <laughs> she may fall asleep during this. Um, so I uh, also want to mention this episode is made possible by Patreon supporters like Anwen Holtzhausen, who've pledged their support at patreon.com slash Jason Karen. Love Anwen from She's New Zealand. Thank you so much. Yep. And so in this episode, her. we're going to have news about The Walking Dead and some other things. We will have uh, our review of 
Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse with our special guest, Nico, on that one. And <laughs> we're going to talk about the Coen Brothers' latest, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, mm-hmm. and some listener feedback. Fantastic. Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people he kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Dead cast news update. Okay, first thing, recently I did two back-to-back Walker Stalker cons, one in San Jose, one in New Jersey. Uh, San Jose was awesome because you, Karen, got to come and help me with that, and I was hoping you would talk about that a little bit. It was so fun. I loved it. We basically had a Jesus sandwich. (laughs) That's right. Which is what happens when you put the actor who plays Jesus in between me and Jason. It was all very innocent. Oh, very innocent. Uh, but I mean, you know, on the outside, on the inside, I was gazing into his loveliness and getting lost in his bright blue eyes. You look pretty stricken, I have to say. <laughs> He's he is a what, what's I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. What's his name? Uh, Tom Payne. Tom Payne. Yeah. And his and his fabulous British accent. He's just fantastic. It was really fun. And um I I loved it. It was a nice big turnout and people were just giving Tom Payne lots of Jesus love. So it was nice. Yeah, it was cool because it was the first time he's been on a panel at a con since Jesus died in the show. And uh, yes, it was anyway. And uh, yeah, it was. And he uh, how did he seem about his character having just died? Yeah, he sounds he sounds really sad about it. I mean, you know, he was in some ways happy about it. He was it, apparently they all ended on a super happy note. Everybody, you know, a lot of love between him and the show for sure. But he also was a little bit sad because he would like Jesus to have done more and to have been the fully realized badass yeah. that he knew that he is in the comic. And he had been training for, apparently. So he was ready to be that badass guy, and he didn't get to do it. Yeah. And that's kind of sad. Yeah, he's been training religiously. And, I mean, really, he's sad that he didn't get to do all that stuff. But since he didn't, I think he was actually relieved to be off the show. That's he. Yes. And he thought his ending was really cool because he did get to do all the stuff mm-hmm. he's been wanting to do. And he was saying something about... You know, he something that some of our listeners have said about that death that, oh, it's great because it's like the old Walking Dead where you're not you're not expecting it. And it feels like anyone can die. Like he he thought it was really cool that his death got to be one of those. And I asked him if he was sad that he didn't get to be a zombie. And he said no. (laughs) And then and then he said, well, you know. I could still be a zombie. Yeah. And he, you know, he could come back. um, A lot happened in those six years. And so he could come back for a little guest um, to be like, you know, uh, if they do a flashback, do a little flashback. Yeah. Right. So that'd be cool, man. I hope they do that. That'd be good. Mm -hmm, Me too. It's good when like just seeing um, Herschel recently, you know, or Shane, when a character that you thought you'd never see again on the show is suddenly back on the screen, it just feels good. Yep. Yep. And, and it would be nice to have them. And I feel like they have to fill in some of those six years. They've made a big deal about the exes that are on some characters like Daryl and Michonne. They've talked about. It drives me nuts because you know, the show up until the time jump was about three and a half years in on screen or you know in universe time 
except that Carl inexplicably aged eight years, but still. <laughs> and then they six years passes, and one thing happened in between. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. That everyone's focused on. I'm sure it was a big deal, but... <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm sure they'll, I think they're going to go back and show that. It seems like that's what it's pointing to. And I also uh, told him, uh, and I think I spoke for a lot of people, that it would be nice to see if there was ever any romance between him and Aaron. And he said he thought they hooked up. Yeah. But now they're just friends. He's like, yeah, they probably hooked up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I think he was actually, not to uh, dwell on it too much, but I thought it was funny that he said during his death dinner, People were like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he was all smiley and happy. What? Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. I mean, I hope that he gets a kick-ass job now, you know, because. Oh, yeah. I think like with, um, well, some of the actors that leave any show and they think it's going to be easy and then sometimes it's not so easy and they feel disillusioned. So I hope that doesn't happen with him because he's talented and attractive and everything. Yep. Well, as we've, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've seen Steven Yeun go on to do amazing things. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've got a news item about him. Um, oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, since we're in the news, I'll just skip right to it. <clears throat> so Jordan Peele, who I believe wrote and directed Get Out, the, yes. the horror movie. Well, he, One of My very favorite movie of 2017. Yeah, Go on. very good movie. So he's doing a new incarnation of Twilight Zone coming up here. <laughs> <Can't wait. laughs> he's going to be the Rod Serling. He's going to be the announcer too and everything. Oh my God, so <laughs> great. It's like all my prayers have been answered. Yeah, that's, I can't wait. Yeah, I hope it's as good as Black Mirror. That would just be phenomenal if it was... Mm-hmm. Because I feel like Black Mirror is already filling that void, but I but I love Twilight Zone. Anyway, Stephen Yun is going to be the title character in episode four, The Traveler, which follows two cops and a mysterious traveler. Yay! Right? It got even better just now. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> it's like my whole my whole world coming together. <sighs> so yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, that's, I, I love that. It, I, I just I can't wait to see that. It's on CBS All Access, so we're going to have to sign up for that for a little while at least. Going to have to do it. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, to see I've that. I've been meaning to do, do it, it anyway. Yeah. Did they say watch all the Star Trek stuff. Um, they yeah, only exactly. said 2019, and filming has started on uh, its 10-episode season, and I, I think they were supposed to finish filming not until, like, March, so that means, you know, it probably won't start airing until after that, probably, although who knows. Okay. Um, if you want to uh, do a podcast about, um, you know, a couple of the episodes, I'm in. Yeah, we should definitely podcast especially about that one since it's yep. kind of Walking Dead, uh, you know, related a little bit. Yep. What else? Oh, oh, I also just wanted to mention um, in those two conventions, I got to do a lot of great panels and some stuff came out. Pollyanna McIntosh confirmed that she's going to be in the Rick Grimes movies, or at least the first one. Oh, good. Well, good. If they left her out, that would be weird. Yeah. Like the the helicopter gets there and she's not in it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Where did she go? Who knows? Who? It's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> we pushed her out. Um, and yeah, so that's cool. And then, but my favorite, this is not a piece of news, but there were a couple of really fun moments. Um, I should have pulled some clips, but... Uh, there was one where one of the 
audience members asked Ross Marquand to do an impression of Matthew McConaughey as if he had just gotten his woken up and his arm was cut off. <laughs> and he's all, oh, hey, what's this? I can't do it, but oh, I got a little chicken wing going on here. And he turns to um, Caitlin Akon Enid, who is on the panel too. Did you do that? <laughs> and she goes, it's not all right. Like, because he's always going, all right, all right. All right, all right. He just started cracking up the bat. That was really fun. But my favorite is when um, Pollyanna McIntosh, because Seth Gilliam was on the panel with her, and she goes, uh, hey, does any, who else thinks it's hot that Gabriel only has one eye? Is it just me? And people laughed, and a couple <laughs> people raised their hand, and I go, I have a lazy eye. And she goes, hot. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Uh, yeah, she's the best. <laughs> Oh my god, it's fantastic. That's really fun. And then I did a panel with um Nadia Hilker and Dan Fogler who play Magna and Luke. Yeah. And that was in New Jersey and they were I think they, it was weird like they were it was hard to get it going. They were kind of look stunned by the whole thing. <laughs> oh, interesting. But once we got it going it was it was pretty fun and then um we had a bunch of uh, Patreon people in the audience for, who are my considered friends because we all met up and everything. And um, w- one of the people asking a question who I don't actually know, first off, she goes, uh, Oh, Jason, I just want to say I love your podcast. And then they all were like, Woo! And I was like, That is awesome. And Dan looked at me and he goes, What about my podcast? Because Dan Fogler has a podcast too. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, tell me about your podcast. And then at the end, he goes, Well, you should come on my podcast and I should go on yours. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Maybe he'll be on. Wow, that's funny. Um, So what's his podcast? It's, uh, I don't know what it's called, the Dan Fogler something. Huh. And I think he interviews people. I don't know. I didn't actually go listen to it. I should probably check it out. I'm sure it's great. He's he's funny as hell. Okay, next, uh, uh, two characters are returning to Fear the Walking Dead, Ruben Blades, who played Daniel, and Daniel Sharman, who played Troy. You probably don't know either one, or you probably don't know no. Daniel Sharman. But last time we saw Troy, Madison had clocked him really super hard in the head with a hammer, penetrated his skull, I believe, and then yeah. left him unconscious because he was a psycho. And this he was at the base of this dam which then blew up so i really feel like he should be dead and i think this is kind of like fear the walking dead recognizing that people miss characters from before this whole switch to a new showrunner so i don't know i mean and and um daniel's great reuben blades but um Daniel Sharman's great too. He he's a great actor, and his character Troy is really interesting. But his end felt very final, logistically mm. and also emotionally, because he was a psycho who did some really bad things, and I felt like needed to go. But uh, anyways, I asked Lucy since she was my co-host on Fear what what she yeah. thought about all this, and she submitted a couple of haiku um, <laughs> about Troy. <laughs> She said, I did not miss him. It should not be him brought back. Give me Madison. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, about Daniel. Oh, look, it's Daniel. He escaped death once more. Haircuts for all. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but (laughs) okay. (laughs) Two haiku were you. Right. 
I'm interested to see uh, what they'll do with him, but I don't know. I'm feeling, I, I feel like when that show comes back around, this podcast yeah. will be hosted by Lucy and other guest hosts. <laughs> to be named. Yeah, to be named. No, there's people who are interested, definitely. Kristen loves it and uh, uh, a couple other people. Megan. You're the weirdo that doesn't love it? No, I think it's pretty divisive and the ratings are lower than ever. Mm. Mm, but they're still going to keep it up. There, no canceling in the in the foreseeable future. I mean, even though the ratings are lower than ever, they are still higher than most cable shows. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the audience is so fractured, you know? Like, another news item I have here is that 2018 had more scripted TV shows than any other year ever. Wow, that's incredible. There were 495 shows, which is well over double what it was 15 years before. And the... Shows on traditional outlets are fairly stable, but it's the the new streaming services that are really adding to it. So, and they have more than other outlets. So there's 160 shows on streaming services, 146 on broadcast, 144 on basic cable, and 45 on pay cable. Wow, that's that is amazing. I mean, you remember the the um, sad. Uh, <laughs> The sad days of just reality TV, quote unquote reality TV. Yeah, when it was mostly reality TV. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing is I like script, scripted TV. Me too. Um, but I thought you were going to say, do you remember the sad days when there were only three channels? And um, <laughs> TV is much better now, but it's too, it's overwhelming. You know, like I can't watch it all and that. I love it. It's the freaking golden age of television. <laughs> to quote to quote a guy in uh um the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh they said something like, Say something so that we know that you're not that you're not uh a ghost or that you're a human and he says uh, you know, you're in the glory days of television, the golden age of television, when people take a show like The Americans for granted. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing is good shows get canceled. I feel like if Ash vs. Evil Dead had come out 10 years ago, it would still be going. Yes. You know, because the yep. audience is fractured. And like almost every like, I don't know, two, three times a week, I feel like somebody mentions a show that I've never heard of and it's on like season five. <laughs> right exactly and it and it has a cult yeah and and it looks like something that i would actually dig but i'm like oh five seasons i'm not gonna bother with that shit okay what else (laughs) um for the first time amc is offering studio tours of some of the walking dead filming locations sanctuary hilltop oceanside the scavengers junkyard and the place where the infamous place where negan premiered and did his dirty deed with that that's all in Sonoy and um and that whole studio area yeah i think it's or, yeah either on the studio lot or nearby right right yes around yeah. like peachtree city yeah. or what was that called peachtree city is that yeah in Sonoy. And so the official tour includes a 95-minute bus tour of those locations, a 25-minute bus tour of Alexandria, a stop at Woodbury, which is Sonoy, and a commemorative security badge you get. And they cost $65 for adults, $45 for children. 
Uh, you can book a spot between December 14th and the end of March, which is uh, when they're not filming, I guess, on oh, Fridays, uh-huh. Saturdays, and Sundays. So I'll put a sh- uh, link in the show notes. That sounds pretty cool. That'd be fun. I bet they're going to have full on. I mean, they'll, they make a ton of money from that. Yeah, absolutely. People people love that stuff. Yeah. In fact, um, they'll be competing with the unofficial Walking Dead tours because I think yeah. there are some Walking Dead tours anyway. Oh yeah, Cindy's right? part of that. Yeah, um, Atlanta movie tours and mm-hmm. yeah, but these ones you can go to places where the, those can't go. Right. But yeah, they're all cool. They're all really cool. All right, next, Supernatural is bringing back Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character. I don't watch that show, but I know he was on it. Um, John Winchester ah. for its three hundredth episode coming up that airs February seventh, twenty nineteen. 300th episode yes that show's been going on for like 14 <laughs> years or something oh my god <laughs> yeah that's like i'm not gonna get into that show people say i should and i'm like hell no yeah, i have a lot to catch up on no <laughs> yeah. way man like if i start watching now i might be done by summer <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe if i don't sleep <laughs> and then uh that's it that's all for the news all right Right. And I believe I'm going to go into our first sponsor. I think this is maybe going to be our last ad for Fracture for a while. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been working with them for a long time and they've been such amazing supporters of this podcast. And so if anybody from Fracture is listening, I just want to thank you so much for your support over the years. Yep. And they're our most frequent sponsor. And I like some sponsors I would have not had them on so frequently because you know my this is just the perfect product to keep talking about i really dig it yep the product itself your photos printed on glass in vivid color is just this nice little simple minimal work of art meant to showcase things in your life your special people or moments or whatever that you you know wanted to take a picture of and it turned out really well and it's something that you would want to display or give to somebody. It's just really a nice um, thing. And I just got one of Nico and Bodhi wrapped up together in this yoga mat like a burrito. And <laughs> they both have these big giant smiles on their face and their eyes are lit up. <laughs> and I got a fracture of that. And then there was one, I forget if I already talked about this, but my aunt, I was at my aunt's for Thanksgiving and she has this thing that lays at the bottom of the bathtub that shoots air bubbles up, kind of like a hot tub jets. Uh-huh. And then when she put bubble bath in that, I think it activated the bubble bath and it just started going up like four feet high. Oh my God. <laughs> and so they're in this bath, the bubbliest <laughs> bath I've ever seen. And they got, you know, big giant smiles on their faces. <laughs> and I made sure to tell them this is never going to happen at home, but because it was like spilling out onto the floor. But <laughs> I, I got a black and white fracture of that. Oh. So just nice. And they're just a good company too. They're good people. They're small. They're focused on you know one their one product. Mm-hmm. They have great uh, responsive customer service and a pride in what they do. They really want to make it as good as it can. And if they don't get it right, they'll do it over. And yep. it's all handmade in their factory in in Florida. It's carbon neutral. And I think their their I think their factory is um, in Gainesville, Florida. That's right. Home of Tom Petty. Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a couple of haiku before Lucy sent hers in. It just happens to be a haiku heavy episode. But in honor of our last fracture ad, at least for now, here they go. What is a fracture? Your photos printed on glass in vivid color. 
kind of fit nicely. That's nice. <laughs> and then, and what else is it? Special moments from your life memorialized. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Thank fracture, you. Th- fracture, there you go. There you Some go. free poetry free. thrown in. <laughs> yeah, that's worth an extra 50% <laughs> on our fee. Um, I'm not sure how much longer our, our code is going to work, but it should work for a while. And so if you go to FractureMe.com slash dead, you get a discount if it's your first order. That's FractureMe.com slash dead. Holidays coming up. Just saying. No, uh, you're, you're too late for that, but you oh, get a, a late gift. You are not too late for <laughs> Valentine's Day. And uh, you are true. not too early to be thinking about Valentine's Day. Yes, ma'am. Putting that out there. I'm <laughs> <laughs> taking care of Jenny. All right. Thank you, Fracture. Thanks, Fracture. Okay. Let's talk about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Had, you'd already seen this before. Uh-huh. We decided to podcast on it, right? And yep. What did you think about it in general? <laughs> I'm a huge um, Coen Brothers fan. And I would put this on my list of the top six Coen Brothers movies for me. <laughs> you, did you look at a list? and? Yeah, kind of, I, I yeah. made a list of all my favorite ones. I'm like, yep, it's right there. Nice. Yeah, it's, it is, um, it's a kind of movie... That because it's six different chapters, I watched it once. And I actually went back and watched it again. Um, it is um, a, the kind of movie that you it it improves upon further viewing, and especially when you read a little bit about what people think the segments are about, and you go back and you're like, oh yeah, that's it, that's it. It's, it's oh man, it's, I loved it. Me too. I mean, I thought in similar terms that oh, how would I rank this? I didn't go actually look at a list and rank them but i definitely feel like it's right up there with the best of Mm -hmm. the coen brothers what's your favorite yeah i was thinking about that one too um at first i would have said my least favorite was the very very last one no i mean i mean favorite coen brothers oh for your coen brothers okay yeah it's funny because i thought about that too so if you ask david what his favorite coen brothers movie is he would say um, by far, it's Fargo. He would say that's Far- mine too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, I, but, it's one of my favorite movies. Period. Yes, I, and I love Fargo. I love it. I love it. But honestly, I, I really, really love The Big Lebowski. I'm I'm one of these people that just could watch The Big Lebowski again and again and again. It's just so funny. And I also mm. loved uh, other ones. That I love is um, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I love yeah. that one. You like the funnier ones. I do. I also, but I loved a serious man. We saw that together. We I don't saw know if it. You remember, we saw it together, and <laughs> I, I read that little section where he goes to the dentist and talks about the, uh, the Hebrew letters appearing on the goy's teeth. I go back and I read the, the text of that, and it kills me every single time. My, my husband and I constantly throw those words back and forth and i also love raising arizona yes that's one of my favorites for sure mm-hmm. and there you know even though i love the coen brothers um definitely i like some better than others and some i'm not so hot on oh yeah actually and uh one of my favorites right up there is uh the one with anton sugar no country yeah, no for country old, men. old men yeah oh i love that so much the ending yeah. was weird but really like it but uh um oh by the way people fans of that movie you might not remember but um john dory is in that uh 
Garrett Dillahunt. Oh. <laughs> he yeah. was the partner of Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he played a very similar type of character, too. Yeah, he's great. That was another thing that happened during a panel. I had Garrett Dillahunt. Oh, my God. I got to take that out. Woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Derek, Garrett Dillahunt, which I did not call him that, thank God, and uh, Jenna Elfman, and I, he, you know, asking him about the character and how, he, and and how, like in Terminator, he played a Terminator. They're so different, and he was like, "Yes, I like to play different characters each time and really build something new just for variety, and it's you know just fulfilling as an actor." Then a couple minutes later, I mentioned that in No Country for Old Men, his character was kind of similar to John Dory. And he's like, okay, you're right. I don't, I don't play different characters. You caught me. <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> he was acting I, all upset. And he was going to like walk off stage. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs> he was really funny. That's great. <laughs> Anyways, um, what was I getting at with that? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, ones I don't like. And probably one of the ones that's been towards the bottom of my list actually is, and I'm going to get hate mail for this, but Le- The Big Lebowski. Oh! <laughs> because what? I just thought it was, you know, here's the thing. I only saw it once when it first came out. Uh-huh. And it was before it became such a cult classic that's making me feel like, uh, it's way past time for me to go back and yes. watch it again and yes. reevaluate. Yes. But when I watched it, I thought parts of it were definitely funny. It, the um, the bowler and John Goodman. This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Yeah. I mean, I, I even though I only saw it once, I remember. And <laughs> but uh, it just seemed so scattered and and uh, it felt like just throwing everything in the kitchen sink in. Well, <laughs> it's it's uh, based on um, the Maltese Falcon, right? Okay, I don't remember. Or no, or is it the big like, sleep? It's maybe it's the big sleep. It's um yeah, it's actually their take on um I want to say it's it's the big sleep. Um but it might be the Maltese Falcon too, but it, but it's meant to be it's meant to uh confuse you and not really make a huge amount of sense and to be a little bit but if you watch it again, I mean, I'm telling you, watch it again with okay. Jenny and enjoy the ride because um i think you will you will love it if you watch it again all right all right i <laughs> yes. I, I, I will i need to yeah I, I i mean i so many people i respect love that movie so a little west coast hospitality and you're all set <laughs> all right what about this one so um i love that the cohen brothers are unpredictable yes and they often are also about the cruelty of of life and also there are people in their movies who are total assholes mm-hmm. and some are just regular assholes and some are psychotic assholes and then there's always also though characters who are just good-hearted people and when you start getting into their universe and you meet a couple of the assholes then you sort of question every new character but um, so then you don't know what to think until you, you know, see like, uh, Tom Waits in, I, I don't want to skip <laughs> around too much, but just in that third one, after we'd already seen, um, or whichever one that was where he's painting for gold and stuff and he looks kind of scruffy and uh-huh. he's, you know, trying to find gold. So you're not too sure about him. But then as soon as you see him go up and take those eggs uh-huh. and then get stare, stared at by the owl and put a few back. Yep. I'm like, okay, I love this guy. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? And and, and then he, he puts back all but one. And he's like, ah, how high can a bird count? <laughs> yeah. Which is great. I mean, never, nobody's perfect. And and uh, it kind of made you think maybe that chicken in the, the other one wasn't really a counter. I don't know. I felt like it was a reference the, to the. Yes. That yes. The, the chicken with no formal education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I guess my point is I love that it's unpredictable. You just can't, you, you can't predict what's going to happen next. And for me, that keeps me glued to the edge of my seat. Yep. All right. Let's go through each one and just say a few things. What about the first one? The Ballad of Buster Scruggs <laughs> with Tim Blake Nelson. I love Tim Blake Nelson. And I loved, this one was, was um, in many ways a like my favorite because yeah. I loved his the song that he sang about <laughs> Surly Joe and, yes. and and stomped around the bar and he's dancing. He's so funny and and has undoubtedly the best um uh he's sort of in a uh, a gun standoff with a guy in a bar and uh he doesn't have a gun the guy is pointing a gun at him and and he gets the guy he gets the best of the guy in the in the most amazing way i've ever seen it is so cool you know what i'm talking about he gets the guy to yeah i mean hopefully people who are listening either don't care about spoilers or they've already seen it but yeah so when you go into this bar you have to check your guns at the door but then he gets into a, a altercation with this big burly mean looking dude who smuggled his own gun in and is pointing it at Tim Blake Nelson. And so they're standing at opposite sides of this round table with these wooden slats and he just starts pounding down on his end of the slat. So the end to the closest to the other guy raises up and smacks his gun and he shoots himself in the face and he does that like four or five times and it's gross because you see like his face is splattering off and there's blood going everywhere. <laughs> it I mean, smacks one, his elbow, I think, and it causes him to shoot himself. Yeah. 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 This one was so good because it starts off and he's this, I mean, first off, he, he's known for being in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And yep. he was a goofball. And in this episode, when you first see him, he seems like this happy-go-lucky, clean-cut, jolly singing cowboy that would be on Howdy Doody or something. And so you think he's another kind of goofball character. And then he turns out into this like kind of ruthless, skilled gunslinger mm-hmm. who will kill without a second thought and is excellent at it to the point. I mean, it, this one felt like a cartoon to me. It was so absurd yes. how yes. good he was with a gun where he could blow a guy's fingers off one by one at like yes. 30 paces out or whatever. And that's unexpected and so satisfying and uh, I don't know. It's funny. And it was so absurd that even though he died and you come to like, I don't know, I guess I kind of wanted him to succeed. And, and then I was disappointed that he died, but it was so cartoony that, and, and also, I mean, he his angelic ghost version of himself rises up out of his body and starts yes. singing a duet with his killer. Yes. Playing the harp <laughs> with the wings, with the angel wings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Everything it, about it was, this was great. It was very much like a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It was so fun to watch. And I mean, I I made sure when I announced that we were going to be covering this to let people know that they will probably have their heart broken a couple of times watching it. Yep. 
Um, and not in this episode, but I know some people like they couldn't get through the whole thing because it's so yes. tragic. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and well, I'll read a little bit of the Surly Joe song. Um, so this is right after he kills Joe in the bar and everybody's staring at him. And then all of a sudden he starts breaking into song and the piano guy joins in. And <laughs> he is like, I, he drew quick, but I was quicker. And the table stopped his ticker. Surly Joe, humankind he frowned upon, but not now. His face is gone. Yes, your frowning days are done. <laughs> He uh, he was never any fun. Now his grumpy race has run. Kisser blown to kingdom come. Oh, Surly Joe. <laughs> it's so good. I know. And and then after he killed Surly Joe's brother, he goes, that puts me in mind of another song. And, but before he can start singing about him, the, the last guy came. <laughs> yep. So that's great. All right. Next one's called Near, I don't know how to pronounce this, Algodones, and it's the one with James Franco. What, mm -hmm. what was your impression of that one? Oh, I loved it. Uh, I also love this one. Um, I The best part of this was uh, when the bank teller runs Adam wearing all the pots and pans as armor. Yeah. So funny. And yeah. it's that guy. Oh, shoot. I forgot his name, but he was in Office Space. The one who was obsessive yeah. about his stapler or whatever and um, news radio. He was like the, the boss. Oh, so great. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. And poor James uh, Franco. Well, when he first goes in there and the guy seems a little nervous and like maybe he'd be a pushover. And James Franco asks him, he's the teller at the bank. And it's so funny to me that like the bank is totally in the middle of nowhere more than any other place has ever been in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yes right right that right make sense. but anyways he he asked him if he's ever been robbed and he said and if you're not listening you might not hear it but he's saying oh sure i have two times attempted i should say one fellow i shot dead bingo the other i held for the marshal both his legs were shredded some had to lock him in the vault there marshal didn't come through but once a month and he just visited the previous week had to billet that scamp for what three weeks applying a poultice of wet leaves and urine he's in yuma now busting rocks still a little gimpy from what they say so it's like oh maybe i shouldn't mess with this guy if you really listen to him <laughs> he did not listen to him no and so he gets shot at and clocked or he gets clocked he gets knocked out and then he's on his horse uh, with the news around his neck when he comes to and it, it was so funny when there's like can i have your horse no i want your horse will you give the one of these guys your horse just to avoid the fight out he's all i don't want any of them to have it and the guy's all you selfish bastard <laughs> right as he's about to get hung and then right through the neck uh an arrow from indians nearby i guess we can call them indians that's how they're referred to in the in the movie um and then uh, he luckily gets spared and this guy who talks way too much comes and cut, cut, shoots him down after he swings back and forth a couple of times, of course, on the noose because it's the Coen brothers and they have to be cruel. Um, but anyways, I'm just um, summarizing right now, but it, all to say that I thought at this point, what did you think was going to happen when the guy who talked too much saved him? And asked him to help him herd those cattle. Oh, I thought he was going to kill that guy. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. he talked too much. Right. Right. 
And that's where it was unpredictable because maybe he would have killed him, but before he had the chance, they got uh, caught for wrestling cattle. And then he ends up strung up on another noose, right? With yep. a bunch of other criminals in the middle of town or something. And the guy next to him is crying and he's looking at him condescendingly. Oh, this first is time. your first one, <laughs> which is a little silly. But um, then, I mean, what did you think at this point was going to happen? Oh, I thought he's going to get away with it all, especially because yeah. at that point he sees a pretty girl. And I'm like, right. oh, something. Oh, yeah. she's going to get him out of this somehow. No, <laughs> it's the Cohen brothers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, nope. <laughs> and he's all, oh, that's a pretty girl. And that's his last. I mean, I guess it's nice yeah. for your last is the last thought oh pretty girl oh <laughs> <laughs> and i'm so i mean it's interesting because you know with walking dead you usually want nice things for the characters and this movie is filled with brutal awfulness it is it is it is the it is their uh, i think uh their take on death right it that's a theme right yeah and and the um the senselessness and uh-huh. unpredictability of death. Good people are dying. Bad people are dying. Yeah. Um, and in all kinds of different ways. Yeah. Really. It, it's really interesting that way. So be prepared if you haven't seen it. Yeah. It, it's a mirror as much as we don't maybe want to admit it or think about it. It's a, it, death in real life is probably closer to this than it is in, in mm-hmm. other movies where someone can be taken from you in a second and, you're like, what? Why? What the fuck? Why? <laughs> right. Right. It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Uh, next, meal ticket. Rough. Oh, God. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> heartbreaking. Yeah. When, when, uh, I, I, we're describing this, uh, I mean, we'll describe it a little bit, but I just want to say when he threw the rock in the river, and then started walking back towards the dude. Uh-huh. Or even when he had the chicken there and the guy's looking at the chicken like, so uh, what's like, oh, what's going to Yeah. <laughs> yeah suspiciously. Uh, uh, it, it's such dark <laughs> humor because I did find it kind of funny. Yes, it is funny. <laughs> it is funny. But it's sad too. Oh. It's like incredibly sad. Oh. You couldn't have left the guy at the brothel. They would have taken care of him. Oh. And I was mad at him for not giving the guy a turn with the prostitute, too, when she offered. Yeah, he just swiveled him around. Yeah. She's like, "Can you, you want to buy some loving for your friend there? Nah. Nah. He's like, good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do you think about this one? Oh, uh, th- I mean, all of that. Brutal. So interesting. I love that he recited Ozymandias. Which uh, brought to mind Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm, me too. One of the last like, I don't even remember the story of Ozymandias, but I just think of Breaking Bad. Yep, yep. Uh, I loved it. I love. I thought it was amazing and uh, brutal, and I love love the chicken. I was kind of impressed with the chicken too. I don't know how they do the chicken trick, but the chicken trick is cool. Yeah, <clears throat> this guy Ricky Jay died recently. He's yeah. a, a magician yep. and kind of like a connoisseur of historical con artists so i started going on youtube and watching him do like tricks with the cup and balls underneath the cups oh cool and it's freaking amazing yeah i recommend going on youtube and just searching on ricky J. I i showed nico he's like oh, how does he do that it's it's incredible 
Wow, that's really, really cool. uh, Yeah, I I felt like this one was also sort of a critique of, not a critique, but an echo of uh, the entertainment industry. Maybe critique. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty cold, right? Yeah. This guy who's a real performer and artist and he's performing um, works from the great playwrights of history and it's supposed to be really meaningful and he's putting his all into it. And, but it's kind of, it, it's, it's almost an echo of the Coen brothers. Cause I think they're really intelligent and this is the intelligent stuff, but it has less of an audience. Yes, exactly. And the lowbrow chicken is what draws people in. Like that's yeah. kind of like your reality TV, maybe <laughs> chicken. What's twice 11, 22. You're brilliant. But also that people just get tired of stuff because he did have good audiences in the beginning. But, you know, once it's like that whole thing about how you get chewed up and spit out. Yeah. You're the hot thing for a while there. And then when people are tired of you, they turn on you. So it's kind of like that. But I love also I really had to look up to see that the uh, actor didn't have arms and legs or did have arms and legs. Um, It was pretty amazing how they did that. I did not. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't. Whatever they did to erase his arms and legs, bravo. It was great. He did, by the way, yeah. Yes. He did have arms and legs. He does have arms and legs. (laughs) But yeah, they can do anything with CGI these days, I guess. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) It was great. And he felt so bad. You're like, look at him. He's he's beautiful. He's he's saying these gorgeous words. Oh, this guy's just... Oh. And, uh, you know, you you see... Liam Neeson's character feeding him and helping him go to the bathroom. And it's, it feels like it could be this tender relationship. Um, yeah. And I do, I, I think the guy, I don't know what to call him, but Liam Neeson's character. The impresario. Did, okay. Impresario. He looked sad when he was coming uh, over to kill him. And that, well, he put a fake smile on his face. But he, when he was thinking about it with the stone and everything, he looked like it was weighing on him. And afterwards, it was weighing on him. So there was some impact on him. It wasn't totally like totally. Oh, I don't give a shit at all. But right. he still fucking did it. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. But the quote at the beginning was something that um, quote about mercy. Um, the quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as a gentle rain from heaven which is uh, from Shakespeare, I think, but or I forget what it's from. But it, the point is that you should freely give mercy. So I sort of wonder if he was rationalizing that it was more merciful to kill the guy. I don't know, though. To me, it just seemed like, I mean, the title of the episode is Meal Ticket, and yep. he was his meal ticket. He saw him as an object, and when he wasn't valuable anymore, he got rid of him. By the way, did you see any of the Harry Potter movies? I've seen him, yeah, yeah. He played Dudley Dursley. Oh, was he kind of chubby? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He was like the the um the rather chubby uh yeah. brother. The, the son at the the uh what do you call when they're not magic? Mulligans, mm, <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> What do you I, call them? Mug, Mugly. Mugs. Muggles. Mugly. Muggle. Yeah. I'm cutting all that out. The <laughs> son of the muggle couple. 
<laughs> Some word. Yes, right. he's the son of the muggle couple, the, the oh, foster well, brother. Oh, well, good. I'm glad he's dead then. He was a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so mean. He, no, I'm but he, he grew up to be um, a, a thinner fellow. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Well, there was one other thing. Oh, yeah, and I also loved the choice of having them. He never said a word except in his act. Yes. And they never spoke to each other. Right. And that sort of reinforced that maybe from Liam Neeson's character's point of view, that's all he was good for. He was yep. just an object. Yep. Yeah. People can be assholes. Okay, number four, All Gold Canyon with Tom Waits. I ah, love this one. <laughs> yeah. This was the only one that had a happy ending, really. Yeah. I mean, I hope, uh, you know, he's he's leaving there with his with his piles and piles of gold on his uh donkey and uh or mule or whatever that was um and hopefully he's gonna get somebody to give him antibiotics pretty soon (laughs) he's probably dead in like the next scene (laughs) (laughs) i mean no but i think it's befitting that you know the cone brothers are so unpredictable that it would be too consistent for them all to end in tragedy so you had to have one that ended happily and but it was great because well, first off, like I said, you don't know if he's a good guy or not in the beginning. And you realize when you realize he's a good guy and then you start wanting him to succeed, then that asshole shows up yep. to take everything that he's worked for, which is sort of an echo of the eggs taking everything that that owl had worked for. And so you see that his value system is not to do that. But um, anyways, then I loved how he sh- the bad guy shot him and then you see him bleeding out and the guy smokes a cigarette and the Coen brothers just take their time with these scenes so it's so great and then he jumps down there and the guy springs on him and that was just a great moment right yep <laughs> by that time you think okay nothing good happens in this movie <laughs> <laughs> but he got his comeuppance it was so great yeah and so uh, good. It, you know he sort of jumped into his own grave which I also loved yeah and then he ended up buried there. Mm-hmm. And I liked how he kept talking to the pocket. Yes, I did too. And mm-hmm. and um and Mr. Pocket, I liked how mm-hmm. um he talked the entire time basically to nobody in particular. Mm-hmm. I Tom Waits is one of the he's a musician and um I've always heard about him as a musician but never gotten into his stuff. Really? Yeah. Some of his music, as you probably know, has been on The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Early on, maybe. That's yeah. awesome. I'm yeah, pretty sure. Listen. You're a Tom Waits fan, right? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yes, I'm a moderate Tom Waits fan who doesn't know all of his mm. um, library. David's a way bigger Tom Waits fan and knows almost all his songs. Did David like this movie? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Well... That this whole segment I thought was the most beautiful, and but I think the whole movie has beautiful landscapes and nature and everything. This one had so much green and valleys and mountains, and uh, apparently it was filmed in Colorado near Telluride. Oh, cool! Yeah, okay. The gal who got rattled. <laughs> that pretty much says it all. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. She followed his directions, you know? I feel like these movies, I mean, these little segments are so well laid out because right after we get, we feel like, okay, it's all just shit and everybody's um, going to die. Then Tom Waits' character has a happy ending. 
then we're like, okay, oh, wait, wait. Okay. So maybe something good can happen in this movie. And then we see this woman, I think her name's Alice mm-hmm. and she's kind of just stuck with her loser brother and she has no other people and her brother dies and she's stuck and she owes this helper guy and it, it, she's in this shitty situation and it turns out this guy Mr. Knapp is also in a kind of a shitty situation because he doesn't want to turn out like his partner who's old and sleeping on hard ground and and so he comes up with a solution that feels like a practical solution but it's pretty clear very quickly that actually these two lucked into meeting their soulmates yes. in each other that they're so well suited to each other and it's just beautiful and then she fucking dies because <laughs> she shot herself two seconds before she could have been fine yes <laughs> yes exactly if she just if she just watched it um you know uh, a minute more she could have seen that in fact it was fine and and yeah. Ugh. And so, yeah, I feel like it reminds me, this movie reminds me of Game of Thrones a little bit. Yeah. In the early cruel years, well, seasons one through five, (laughs) where I'm, I'm, I'm Lucy or I'm Charlie Brown running up to kick that football and it gets pulled away. Yep. Yeah. That was, it was so sad. Oh my God. Well, you know what? One bad, one good thing is, uh, President Pierce, the dog lives. Yeah, well, I guess, but it, he's the one who kind of got her killed. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you can look at it that way. <laughs> and and you know what? How much longer did he live after that? <laughs> With everybody in the wagon train hated him. <laughs> Hate that dog. Yeah. What did you think of when, um, you know, <laughs> the guy's coming up kind of gingerly like, oh, you're dog and she's all oh well it's actually not my dog oh well why don't i just put him down right i know i was like what the fuck (laughs) and it was a really matter of fact and he's actually a really good-hearted guy and i think it fits in that era maybe you know yeah yeah Yeah. exactly hey it's about this movie is about death yeah and cruel harshness (laughs) yeah but he missed anyways he must not be a very good shot Hopefully, President Pierce will stop barking sometime soon. <laughs> Very soon, for his own sake. Well, it turns out that Franklin Pierce, who he's named after, was president when the U.S. entered into the Civil War. Uh, quote, Pierce was popular and outgoing, but his family life was a grim affair with his wife, Jane, suffering from illnesses and depression for most of her, most of her life. All their children died young, their last son being gruesomely killed in a train accident while the family was traveling shortly before Pierce's inauguration. He was a heavy drinker for much of his life, and he died of cirrhosis of the liver in 1869. Historians and scholars generally rank Pierce as one of the worst and least memorable U.S. presidents. (laughs) So it's perfect that her her good-for-nothing brother chose that as his favorite president. It's so perfect. Well, also that this dog, if you're traveling with him, you're probably... You're you're doomed, right? <laughs> Bad shit happens around this dog. <laughs> or you know what? Somebody just somebody invent uh, a uh, some sort of humane uh, muzzle to keep him from barking. Something, yeah. Fashion yeah, something. A, a crude muzzle. It also reminded me of the last, the end of the mist, which we covered on this podcast in episode three. So I consider it fair game to talk about. <clears throat> yes um uh, but 
just to refresh your memory, Tom, there, there's all these creatures coming out of these dimensional portals along with this thick mist that covers everything. And they're vicious, hard, insectoid-like creatures killing everything. And so the four characters uh, get into a car and to escape. And it's Thomas Jane and Jeffrey DeMunn and Lori Holden and one other person, I forget, I think. And this is just my fuzzy recollection. And then they all, they run out of gas, I think, and they decide that they're going to kill themselves so they won't leave themselves uh, available to the, to the monsters. And they only have enough bullets for uh, three of them, I guess. And even though there's four. Uh, And so you hear the three shots and then all of a sudden the mist clears and the army comes through and everything's fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Thomas Jane's like, no, no, <laughs> oh, that was a terrible ending. I had successfully blocked that ending from my Sorry. memory. Thanks. <laughs> You're oh, welcome. That sucks. <laughs> oh, and I'll, uh, I'm just looking through my notes. I, I, for a minute there, just because you can't trust the Coen brothers, I was wondering if this woman, young woman, Alice was trying to swindle because uh, she mentioned that the hired hand wanted $400 for his services. And it was really interesting. They never really showed him asking for any of this stuff. It was just her talking about it, which was oh, that's interesting. sort of quaint. Uh, I looked it up and that would be, if I'm right, around $10,000 now, $400. Whoa. And so it felt like maybe she was trying to swindle them, but that never occurred to you? No, not at all. Mm-hmm. I, I should have, now that you say that, it should have occurred to me. But mm. it did not. Well, it's wrong. So <laughs> she, she, she's a good person. Uh-huh. And uh, I also like that, you know, Mr. Arthur, who's uh, her fiance's partner. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he he probably saw her as kind of like the Yoko Ono of the wagon train, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> breaking it up. And um, he had no reason to like her. But when, you know, push came to shove, he was totally trying to protect her and help her. I think he was a good man. Oh yeah, absolutely. That was a great scene there. Him fighting all those guys. Okay. uh, What about the the very last one? The mortal remains. That was your least favorite, huh? No, I, at first it was my least favorite. And then I uh, watched the whole thing again. And, and afterwards I, I asked David, I'm like, what was that about? And he's like, I don't know. And then I, I looked up a couple of reviews and a couple of people analyzed it and I'm like, oh, I mean, I should, of course it's about death. They're dead. Yeah. I did exactly the same thing. I think it kind of started to occur to me, but I wasn't fully like, oh yeah, this is them heading to mm-hmm. the purgatory or something. Right. I mean, there were some phrases where the two guys, when they were talking about what they did, they said they're reapers of souls. Yeah. And the, the trapper guy goes, Oh, so you're um, bounty hunters. And I just was like, oh, okay, they're bounty hunters. I didn't like dwell on the fact that that's not really what they said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, you, and you go through, um, you go through it and there's, they, they drop clues left and right. And mm-hmm. I feel bad that I didn't catch it the first time, but man, it was so cool. I loved it. I love that they were stuck at the doorway and they're like, you first. No, you first. They didn't want to go into the hotel. Yeah, they're creeped out. Mm-hmm. And I think when, you know, one of the two guys is saying, 
he loves watching that moment when people are passing into the next world where they're trying to make sense of it. Uh-huh. As he's saying that, he's watching them trying to make sense of of it. Yes. <laughs> right in exactly. that very moment. Exactly. <laughs> Basically describing them exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so great. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I liked that. It, the whole thing felt kind of Tarantino-esque. You get these very disparate personalities together and have them have really conflicted but interesting conversation. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and I love the trapper when he's talking about how he I mean you can form a picture of in, in his mind he met this um Native American woman they didn't speak the same language but they could read each other's body language and he goes and we had a relationship of sorts well there's a lady present so he didn't want to say <laughs> they basically were fucking a lot. <laughs> and he said you, you could tell by her facial expressions basically you got the sense that because he seemed kind of like a tough man to live with and he goes she was often vexed with me I never knew why (laughs) 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 which is funny but then he it's all this is also about how people with different philosophies of life they all end up in the same place yep yep (laughs) and they had their they had their little scuffle I loved how the the uh, coachman wouldn't stop because, of course, yeah, the coachman that wouldn't was another stop. clue. Mm-hmm. So his philosophy is that everyone's the same. And then this woman was talking about how there's two types of people upright or sinning. Yes. And that kills me. Like, I hate that kind of moralizing where someone has an idea of Black and white. what's right and wrong. And if you don't conform to that, then you're judged against it. But I thought about it a little more and it's like, you know, I feel like the Coen brothers go along with that. I don't know how much, but they de- it definitely feels like you can point to each of their characters and put them in one of those two categories, upright or sinning. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. They're definitely so, like more pure upright characters like the the cop in um, Fargo, the pregnant chief margo police yeah or marge she's totally upright margie yeah and then like the guy from no country for old men he's a sinner the the killer guy right but remember that's a carson mccullers story i'm just saying i mean it feels like they definitely have well there's gray area but i don't know anyway she bothered me the most and I, I disagree with her the oh, most. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then the Frenchman, I kind of agreed with him the most. He talking about we we each must spin our own wheel and play our own hand and you can't ever really truly know someone fully. I mean, I agree with that. I do think that human nature, we all have tendencies and there are ways that we're all connected, but also each one of us has our own unique expression of that, you know? Yeah. What do you think? No, I I would agree. I would side with you. There's um, people are more than just black and white. There we are. We are a multi-layered bunch. We humans. Mm-hmm. Who do you think knows you the best, David? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I. Yeah, he. Oh, for sure, he does. <laughs> I, I. And and he knows that I'm. Um, I, you know, I I like um, I like people, uh, little p, but I don't really like people, capital yeah. p. 
is that kind of one reason why you like Coen Brothers? Because at least in some aspects, it feels like they have a dim view of humanity. Yeah, I d- yeah. yes, which sort of matches my dim view of humanity. Right. But they also they find these little lights uh, uh, as far as some people who are just so pure and good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, people, are, people are. We're all just mammals doing our best. <laughs> I tell that to David all the time. <laughs> That's good. Um, what else? I loved when the guy sang to calm everybody down. Yes. Uh, um, was that Brendan Gleeson? Is that his name? I don't know. Yeah, yeah he's a uh, uh, fun fact. Um, Brendan Gleeson, uh, father of Donald Gleeson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Talented family. I love Donald Gleeson. Ah, so good. Me too. Yeah. Um, Ex Machina is my favorite. All right. Is that good? That is good, man. I okay. feel like we did it. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I can't say enough how much I love watching a movie like this because I'm so into geek culture and superhero movies and even Walking Dead to a degree, but they feel sort of um, not as adult. And so it's nice to watch something that is a little bit more adult feeling. Although I don't know, this one felt a little comic booky too. I don't know. I'm just rambling. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this movie. It's so smart and well, well made and well done and a joy to watch, even though it can be kind of grim. <laughs> That's a Coen Brothers movie. <laughs> yep. Oh, you build it up, you wreck it down. Then you burn your mansion to the ground. There's nothing left to keep you here But when you're falling behind And it's a big blue world Oh, you've got to hold on Hold on Baby, gotta hold on Take my hand Standing right here, gotta hold on Alright, let's move on to Lister Moans, Groans, and Grunts This first one comes from Laura Will Swinky, who writes, As a longtime Coen Brothers fan, I was excited to see this Netflix original and wondered what flavor of Coen Brothers we would get. Clever and humorous, a la Raising Arizona and The Big Lebowski, or Brutal and Dark, Blood Simple, or No Country for Old Men. Then I found out it was an anthology offering a full Coen Brothers buffet. (laughs) The tales were spun from a tongue-in-cheek singing cowboy western to the dark, gritty, and unsympathetic frontier of a lawless land. I've always loved the brothers' penchant for dialects and regions of Americana. Yeah, I do. I love that too. Mm-hmm. From the bitter northern west, uh, northern Midwest in Fargo to the deep south of Oh Brother Where Art Thou, I felt this was a perfect entry into their filmography as a love story to the Old West. The scenery and cinematography was beautiful, featuring the vastness of the West's varying topographies. Like most Coen Brothers movies, had snappy, smart dialogue and unexpected storylines. My two favorite ballads, The Girl Who Got Rattled, uh, sorry, The Gal Who Got Rattled, and The Mortal Remains. Thanks, Laura. Um, wow. You know yeah, what? I, like- I heard um, the Coen Brothers, at least I think it was the Coen Brothers. Yeah, it must have been the Coen Brothers on um, Fresh Air with Terry Gross. And they were talking about the uh, wagon train being pulled by oxen. And they were like, 
you know, we're never going to work with oxen again. <laughs> it was <laughs> apparently super hard to keep the oxen in the wagon train in a straight line. And uh, they said, it, it, you know, they got some beautiful shots out of it for sure, but that it was super hard. The oxen hmm. were very hard to wrangle. <laughs> yeah. When I asked some of the other actors about <clears throat> working with Daryl's new dog. Yeah. They just roll their eyes. <laughs> You know, it's a dog. (laughs) So I'm sure it's it's rough when you're used to professional actors who get their business done and then you introduce this random element into it and it makes it take a lot of extra time and wrangling and stuff. Yep. But it was worth it because I thought the wagon train was really cool. It was really neat to see all those wagons together and how they lit up at night and i don't know just i i i never was really into old westerns but i i feel like this movie is probably more like um a play on old westerns versus trying to be like historically accurate or something that's probably true (laughs) okay lisa ott says some of the vignettes were really fun others not so much (laughs) haha very cohen it's nice that you don't have to take it all in at once since it's broke out in six stories. We had to take a break after story three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Heather Millsap says, some of the stories stayed with me long after I'd watched it. I had a couple of great dark giggles, my favorite kind. And I like the irony of uh, one of the stories a whole bunch because that kind of twist always amuses me. Amuse is probably not the word most folks <laughs> would use to describe that ending. But like I said above, dark humor. And she says, I don't think I've ever wanted to punch Liam Neeson in the face before. <laughs> oh, I have. Um, uh, I, and she's talking, uh, I, she must be talking about, about that one that he was in. Yeah. Yeah. A meal ticket. Yeah, I'm sure. Derek O'Neill says, I hate Westerns and musicals. So it took me three <laughs> tries to get going on it. Now the first story with Tim Blake Nelson is my favorite. Great message. There's always someone coming along that could be better than you. I really enjoyed Franco's story as the man who never knows when his real end will be. The prospector story with Tom Waits was a nice twist on expectations, but wow, that final story of the passage to the great beyond was so well directed. It felt like an interesting retelling of the ferryman myth from North Norse or Greek mythology. Yeah. I bet you Derek figured that out without having to go read about it. Like us. Derek seems very smart. (laughs) He is. (laughs) <laughs> Marshmallow Chili Baby on Twitter writes, the first segment was the most fun ever. I love the Tom Waits segment. It was beautiful. The wagon train story bummed me the hell out. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark Miller says, I rather enjoyed it. <laughs> and now we have an email and a call about other things, Walking Dead things. And this comes from Kristen S who writes, hi, Jason and Karen. This is kind of late, but just some quick feedback on episode 319. I've been going back and listening to episodes that I've missed, especially now that there's a long wait until February next year. I loved it. It was so awesome to listen to the ladies of the podcast give their feedback and share their favorite uh, their favorites on everything Walking Dead and more. I've been. Oh, this is the Women of Podcast. This episode, is the Women yeah. of Podcastica episode. I've taken note of some books and other podcasts, um, which I'll be listening to soon. I especially love how they all shared different opinions, but still supported each other and laughed. Oh, my God. Loved it. Please have more of these on the podcast. We should. Yeah. Thanks, Kristen. Right. Yeah. Maybe we can do another one during the break or 
sometime. Yeah. yeah. And by one. and by we, you mean not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I edit it and I write the agenda and <laughs> pretty much it's me and you guys are just saying the words I wrote down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's really not scripted true, all true. by you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to script the next one. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Aren't no, men awesome? <laughs> Especially one particular Men are great. Guy. God. <laughs> so love good. Men all right. so much. <laughs> you do love men. Come on. I do love men. Of yeah. course I do. Some of them. All right. This is a call from Heather. Hey, guys. This is Heather again. I called last week. I'm the one that forgot to leave a zombie sound. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't forget. I kind of chickened out. But um, I just want to call back and uh, tell you guys that I really do love the show. I'm actually the one that emailed you twice in one week. My email was, like, super long. I even kind of said it was like a doctoral dissertation on The Walking Dead. Um, my call last week was actually just really short because I figured my emails didn't make it onto the show because they were so long. So I thought maybe if I called and make it short, then maybe I'd make it on air, which I did, which was amazing. It totally made my day. Um, anyways, just want to say keep up the good work. And, oh, yeah, one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Heather. It's good. I I like the sounded like that during the middle of her zombie now, uh, sound. She had a little moment in there. <laughs> I like the ones that sound like they're stretching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they're waking up in the morning. <laughs> oh, ready for the day. <laughs> yeah, brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Heather sent in an email that was um I put it in word to do a word count. It was 25,000 words. No, I'm, just I'm just kidding. <laughs> so keep it below 20,000 words and you'll have more chance of getting it on. Thanks, Heather. No, I'm just kidding. Heather sent an amazing email. I answered back and thank you and I hope you write or call in again sometime. All right. As I mentioned earlier, we have a special guest today. It's my seven-year-old son, Nico. Hello, Nico. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Nico. So, Nico's here. Well, as I mentioned, he's seven. What grade are you in now? Second. Second grade. And Ooh. what are some of your favorite things to do? People haven't heard from you in a while, so. Play video games. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like father, like son. He's into Pokemon and Minecraft. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's your favorite. Chip off the old block. Well, also another thing is we like to go to the movies together, and we went and saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, this new animated Spider-Man. Did you see anything about that, Karen? Yes, I've seen ads. Mm -hmm. I've been looking forward to this review. <laughs> well, I asked Nico to come up with his three favorite things about the movie, so it, we will be getting into spoilers here. If you haven't seen it and you don't want to get spoiled, you should probably move along, but I would definitely recommend seeing it, so... Um, yeah. What, so go ahead, Nico. What what's your what were your favorite things about the movie? Um, the end where there was a big fight with Doctor Octopus and Wilson Fisk. Yeah, you mean at the very end when it's all psych like uh -huh. uh, things are moving all around. Yeah, it's a really psychedelic movie. So, <laughs> okay, what else do you like about it? I like the part where 
Miles is running and he was gonna jump off the building and try to um, spin a web. Yeah. And then he just trips and falls off. <laughs> I said it was oh, funny. No. So this movie is great because there's a new Spider-Man and it's this young kid. His father is a police officer and I'm not sure what his mom does, but his dad is black and his mom is, I think, Puerto Rican. And so it's great to have this protagonist be, you know, a person of color. And that's um, reflective of the comics lately. Miles Morales is his name and he's a new Spider-Man in the comics. And anyways, he's just gotten his powers and he's trying to figure it all out. And he goes to jump off the building and he messes it all up. Okay. What, what else? What's the last thing? I don't know. I don't think I have a last thing. You don't have a last thing. Well, if you were going to tell someone why they should go see this, what would you say? That they should see all the cool stuff where the spider man is like going around buildings and dodging everything. All right. Cool. This movie has gotten mostly thumbs up on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it has like a 97 or something like that. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. And it's um, it really like, you know, there's lots to nerd out about for comic book fans, but the storytelling is focused on the character's personal struggles. And so it's really relatable to everyone. And yeah. uh, I think it's good that all that comic book stuff is in there, but they don't hit you over the head with it. It's really just about... Um, there's like this older Spider-Man who his marriage with Mary Jane is washed up and he has to figure out if he wants to go back and fix it up again. And <laughs> anyway, I, I very much enjoyed it. The style, as you've seen in the um, ads and stuff, is fantastic. It's kind of this oh, yeah. 3D animation, but it's done in a way that you've never seen before. And you can really feel like the joy of creativity as as you watch it. Sometimes there's like thought balloons above their heads and just different creative ways of presenting things and it was really fun to go and see it with nico i love when he and i can go do stuff together that we both enjoy so thanks for coming on and telling us why people should see the movie can i can i say one thing i love about spider-man and maybe nico feels this way too uh one thing i love about spider-man at least seeing like spider-man movies is uh when spider-man spin um shoots his web out onto buildings and he swings from them you feel like you like if they if they do a point of view of Spider-Man, you feel like you're you're flying and that you're Spider-Man and you can kind of swing from building to building. And that seems like it's really, really fun. And um, did they do that in this movie? Uh, yeah, I think that's cool. We've also so been like, playing the game on PlayStation 4 uh-huh. and that totally makes you feel like you're Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Oh, that's Nico so likes cool. just watching me play it. Because I'm not good at playing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks again, Nico. Come back on when thanks, you're nine, Nico. okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Nico. Bye. Bye. All right. That's our show, episode 3337. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everybody. If you want to call us you can reach us at 650-485-DEAD that's 650-485-3323 you can email us at brains at podcastica.com keep that below 20,000 words <laughs> find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast and be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com 
Next episode will be approximately two weeks from now or so, and it may or may not be Lucy and Derek talking about LGBTQ characters on The Walking Dead and pop culture, or if not that, something else. But either way, Happy New Year, everybody. Woo! Happy New Year! (laughs) All right, that is our show. Thanks for listening. Don't get bit, Mark Miller. Okay, Mr. Pocket. All right. I'm a coming. <laughs> I'm a coming. You just sit there. Cause I'm a coming.